So we got started, though, just a, a few weeks ago, and I want to I uh, conclude this, this focus I've had. I just really was impressed to, to talk about choosing sides, because uh, there, there's a real side that God is on that is up to us to choose. And, and we can be deceived so much of the time thinking that we're, we're, we're doing something that even religiously seems like it's right. And, and really, we're on the wrong side of stuff. And it's so important to just talk about some, just some basic things that uh, it's so important. Last week, we talked about what we're saying. You know, it's so easy to get on the wrong side of God, actually be uh, him being resisting us and, and, and opposing us based upon what's coming out of our mouths. <laughs> and, and even something like our cares, what we're caring about, that there's a, a God side of care. That is so important to get hooked up with that, and so I want to talk about something else today. That's that's it's, it, it relates to all of us. Um, <laughs> well, it, it it probably does. Even even if uh, you know we were we were in, in Tennessee and uh, we were walking down the street, and it was in the evening, and and uh, I looked over in the a little nook of a building, and and there was somebody laying down there. And uh, you know how how sad that is that somebody doesn't have a home, but but there's there's a different perspective of what a residence is, uh, and it, and it it will affect our our understanding of who we are and understanding of God too. God has a side; he, he cares about where we live. He cares about who we're living with, who we receive, and. Um, you know, it made me think. I I got to go to my dad uh, with my dad to Nepal. Uh, I think it was on the last trip he went. Um, and we went. Uh, there's there's lowlands in Nepal. Most of the time, you just think about Mount Everest, you know, and the and the high Himalayas. But there's actually some lowlands there, and um, there's a place called the Dong Valley, and. Um, Went there with uh, with my dad, and a, and a guy took me out because this is where he was from. He took me out to where his family was, and they were farmers. They were successful farmers, but their houses were made out of mud. Very nice mud. <laughs> this this particular house was a two story mud house. It was nice. We went up this little. Curved stairway, you know, it's pretty small, but, you know, and they were so proud of that, of that abode of theirs, and they fed us some weird stuff that kind of crunched a little bit, and <laughs> but it reflected upon the owner, the inhabitant was reflected in the structure. It was in a different, it was it was different than us here, but it was the 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 residence reflects the resident. It reflect in 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 the 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 one that's going to occupy has something to say about how it's going to be decorated, yeah. what it's going to have in it, right? Yeah. I I it made me think of another time when I was in Africa, um, and there was there was a guy working with us. <laughs> I uh, I went with Greg Fritz and and Greg was the teacher. He had been to or he was going to Rama or something like that, and 
And my experience was more construction oriented, so they put me over the construction. So we, I had like up to 50 Africans, you know, that I'm trying to communicate with. And um, one of them, his name was Denny. And he, he, uh, he's a well-built guy. And, and uh, we like to kind of horse around with him. Greg was real, liked to really horse around with him and, and, and stuff. But, but he was so proud. He had just gotten married. And he, he had, a, had a wife in a little hut in the middle of town. And he wanted to have us over for a meal and uh, we went over there and he had a little tiny yard around his hut and in in the yard there he had a a um, a block off of an engine that he used to lift weights to work out with <laughs> there's a reason why his muscles were poking out a little bit it was that engine block in his and he was so proud of of his residence something that to us is like I wouldn't, get, I wouldn't even get my wife to go in the neighborhood probably, you know. No, she would. She's wonderful. She told Brother Hagin she would when we got married. She still hasn't done it, but we're working on that. <laughs> but since then, and, and you all know what I'm talking about. There, there, there's, there's a dramatic difference of residence. You know, I, I worked for a, a place for a while here in, in Austin where you go and inspect for the insurance company. You go inspect homes, you know. And we have some amazing homes here in, in, the, in the Austin area. You know, some of these homes out on the lakes and stuff. And, man, millions of dollar homes. You know, and you go inside and you start seeing what the, the furniture, yeah, and, and the way things have been, have been designed and just the countertops. And, and, and it's, what is that? It's a reflection of who's living there. And it's not just having a residence, though, that's important. It's your perspective of a residence. You know, I, th I think the ladies went to, to Paula's the other night. Is that right? Mm -hmm. and, and I didn't see it, but my wife was saying how, how wonderful it is laid out. In each, and there's different. And, and what it's doing is it's reflecting on the preferences yeah. of the owner and the occupant, That's good. right? Yes. And so I want to I explore some of this today because we do have an, uh, an understanding of, of God's presence in our life. Aren't you grateful for that? I, I just really, I, I taught on a Wednesday a few, a few weeks ago about the glory of God. And, and the glory of God is, is his very presence. And, and it's really what drive, should drive us in our life. This, this presence of God that is so wonderful. Um, and I'm grateful that, that it's been promised to us, his glory, as a, as a presence in our life. But there's a God side to residence that I want to look at today that I think is going to help us. To, to understand our relationship with God. Can we do this today? Can you help me? I've got some verses we can go through. And, and as we do, you know, I, I just want to encourage you. You know, Pastor Kim was sharing so well and, and, and Hunter also about worshiping God today. And, and um, for me, uh, worship doesn't stop with the music when the music stops. Uh, there, there's a worship of God right now that, that I, I invite us to go to 
where we're receiving from what God has given to us. And God is honored by our reception of what he's given us. And so let's, as, as we're, as we're uh, talking about God's side of residence right now, I just encourage us to have an attitude of worship and of reception of what God has for us. Because each one of us, there's an opportunity in the presence of God right now for there to be a wonderful transmission of information that will bring revelation and transformation for us today. Remember, David was the one that had the heart after God, right? He was the one that, that um, man, he, he had such a passion for God's presence. And he talked about, uh, if there's one thing I can have, it would be to dwell, right? To dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And to receive of his, of his counsel. Of his direction. Not to just dwell there, but actually hear what God has to say about some stuff, right? So I think it's amazing that David came up with this idea, though, because this is he 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 had an understanding of of the presence of God that that required more than just an altar somewhere. He wanted to have a dwelling place. For the presence of God. How many know that God can't be confined to, to, to a temple somewhere? Right. But I think it's interesting that God went along with this idea that David came up with. <laughs> Light bulb, I'm gonna make a <laughs> I'm gonna make a place for God, you know? <laughs> and God said, Well, that's a little bit less than I'm hoping for. And he and, but he went along with him. And, and what what did he come up with? And and I think there's something for us to draw from. In considering what God, you know, David said, I want to build you a house. And God got involved with the plans. He didn't just say, okay, that's a good idea. Let's see what you come up with. No, his own abode he got involved with, right? So I just want to, I want to say, make some some observations and, and some, some, recognition of just what does make a residence what does make a home you know how many have a home I remember our first home 3209 list we'd been living everywhere you know we'd been living in first of all it was in a loft apartment and um we had rented several places we lived in California we lived in in Idaho Ohio and then we got our own home what? We lived in a Frank Lloyd Wright house. Anybody familiar with who Frank Lloyd Wright is? I mean, he had all his own designed furniture in that place. It was really cool. Um, but everywhere we lived, there was something about us being there that had an effect upon that residence. But boy, when it's yours. When you get the deed, something's different. Now, you can paint it however you want to paint it. We knocked a hole in the wall and I made an arced passage. You know, you don't do that until it's yours, right? But then it starts looking like your place because it's your residence, right? So let me just make, um, make a couple statements here of what, it, it, what makes a residence or a home. A structure designed and formed for the pleasure, preservation, comfort, and preferences of its owner and occupant. So, 
There's a lot about that. What happens when you go into your home? You lock the door, don't you? It's a place that's been, she doesn't, we didn't when I was growing up either out in eastern Colorado. But, but it's a place that you're supposed to be able to be safe in, isn't it? In fact, there's a law in Texas where you can use lethal force, right? If somebody penetrates your structure, the structure of your home. Why? Because that's your domain. That's, that's, that's meant to be protecting you, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's supposed to bring you comfort. And then it's supposed to reflect, it's like these guys, I, I haven't been out to y'all's place yet. <laughs> but it sounds like you have everything designed. Nicole has all the nooks and all that kind of little stuff that you go in there and you're going to experience them because you're in their place. Because you get comfort from that. Same th thing happens in our home. We have stuff on the mantle. It's funny, Braden was complaining because there was still Thanksgiving stuff up on the mantle. Braden, you're too young for that. <laughs> but it reflects the preferences of who's living inside of it. Hang with me. This is important, okay? <laughs> it is more than just a temporary getaway as who you really are is made known there. So I was thinking about it this way. <laughs> How many have had somebody come to stay with you for a while? How many have had somebody over for dinner? Is there a difference? <laughs> Every day that passes with somebody living in your abode, <laughs> you're, you're possibly finding out more and more about them because it's different than just showing up with a facade on and then actually having to go take a shower and actually having, you, your preferences start coming out when you just reside somewhere, don't they? What do you want to do? Well, I want to get on my tablet. I want to get on my... And so it's, you'll avoid those things when it's just a, a getaway or a visit. But when you're living there, who you are starts coming out. I mean, ask any married couple. <laughs> oh, we're living together now? <laughs> Man, it's different. You find out all kinds of stuff you didn't know when you're residing in an abode, right? It's no longer just a getaway. So in order to have an indefinite access, you must have an approved status. You're not going to just let anybody live in your house, are you? You might want to do a background check or something, right? <laughs> okay, one more. And the one with the deed determines who and what gets to stay. The one that's in ownership of this. Like I said, there's a difference between just renting a place and owning it. You're owning it? Man, you can tear down walls. You can bust out walls. You can start doing what you want to do because you own the deed to it. All right? Okay. So let's go to Second uh, Chronicles 7, 1. <laughs> and as they used to say, I hear the... the Wrestling of the mulberry bush, right? Um, there's an actual passage about that, but my dad always used to say that because you could hear people turning to Second Chronicles 7, 1, right? 
So where he truly occupies, there's an evidence of his glory that inspires total worship. So God is about this. He has an understanding of the preferences of the occupant and how important those things are. <clears throat> and so I referred to what, what uh, David did. And David wasn't able to build the, 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 the abode of, for God because he had blood on his hands, right? He, he, had, he had been a, a warrior. And he had also committed some, some transgressions that, were, that disqualified him, right? So what did he do? He passed this off to Solomon. We're going to see some stuff about this that is critical. Because when Solomon went to build the temple, uh, it became an act of, of great excellence. I believe it required Solomon to build the temple. I think maybe David might not have had that excellence side of it. Solomon was detail-oriented, and he brought in specific people to do specific things. You know, they, they had a whole tribe that was set aside for the worship, for the music. And they became very skilled at music because... That was a part of the preferences of the occupant of this place. And it needed to be at a level of excellence that you can't just let anybody do it. Right? So Solomon, also, if, you go back, if you go back through Second Chronicles and read about how the temple was put together. I mean, there's details about every room, every, every utensils. Everything is very detailed, right? Why? Because that's the preferences of the one who lives there. And I don't think it's a small thing that God did this in the Old Testament because there's going to be an inspiration for us now. Oh, let me read this. When Solomon had finished praying, so he, he, got, he, he finally got the temple built. I, I believe it took, uh, what was it, 20 years. And he finally gets the temple built and there was such an atmosphere of, of glory in the completion of this place for God. And, and Solomon prays. And when he finishes praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. When... When there was a completion of a place that was set aside unto him, there was an occupation of it, right? Let me, let me say my statement again, and I'm going to finish this passage, but let me say my statement again. Where he truly occupies, there's evidence of his glory that inspires total worship. This is what I'm about here in our church body. When... When his glory actually occupies, there's going to be evidence of it that you won't be able to ignore. It, it will be real. <laughs> Amen? In this case, I mean, fire came down, consumed the offering. And not just that, now the glory of the Lord fills the place. This is not a small thing to God. He wants to occupy. He wants his glory to overwhelm everything else that's going on. Second verse. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. 
Oh, I got, I got paper here. Let me see if this works. I'll have a backup. <laughs> I'll have a backup. Where, where the one with the deed has had their way, you will be able to tell in how things are demonstrated. You know it's Paula's house because you go in there and you can sense her presence by how she's, how she's decorated, right? Exactly. <laughs> Man, she missed out on being my example here this morning. She's out of town. Uh, <laughs> the glory of the Lord occupies his house, right? When it's completed in the way that it's, he cares about the details. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down, the glory of the Lord on the, on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. So what happens in the place of his residence? There's gonna be an obvious occupation of his glory that will produce worship that causes us to be just totally lost. It's kind of like Hunter was encouraging us to today, where you just get overwhelmed in the presence of God. Right? So let's go to 2 Chronicles 9 now. And this is where uh, Solomon's wisdom was for the service of God's presence. I saw this. What he, what he was able to do and it was all for the service of God's presence. There was excellence that went into the building of the temple, but there, went, there was excellence in managing everybody that would be involved in that. Why? Because it's not enough to just have a nice structure. It's got to be, its purpose has to be fulfilled with excellence also, right? And that's where Solomon's wisdom was was overwhelming in this passage. Remember, the, it says, when the queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters and their apparel, his cupbearers and their apparel, and his entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. Isn't that something? And what did this all have to do with a handmade structure for the presence of God. Right? No, it was real. God cares about a residence. He has a side of residence that will be reflected in his preferences and will be honored with the display of his glory that will cause honor. Amen? So, let's go to 1 Corinthians. So what happened through the years, though? There was a steady degrading of the honor for the presence of God that caused them to be, begin to lose the things that were in the in the house of the Lord. They used to, they, they began to let the treasures 
that Solomon had accumulated for the honor of the presence of God, they allowed those to be taken out. And, and in the process of doing that, there was a, re, there was a removal of the glory. As there was dishonor for the things that were in the temple, there was a removal of the one who would occupy that space. Okay? So, so we're going to the New Testament. What, what happened in the New Testament? And let's read this in 1 Corinthians um, 3. As his residents uh, take on heaven's standard. So as we become... His, his residence, because that's what Jesus came to do is to uh, build a temple that's not made with hands, right? And here's where I want to challenge us with this, because so, it's, it's easy to say, don't you talk to me. I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm where God dwells. The Holy Spirit dwells in me. Well, if that's true, we need to go back and reference and this is where the Old Testament in the, in the building of the temple becomes something that we can reference and we can put a standard because the standard of heaven was not diminished with Christ. There's still a preference of the occupant of his residence that will be honored or dishonored and you will see the glory occupy or not occupy based upon the one who desires to occupy this place, right? So this is the time of year we sing songs about Emmanuel, don't we? Emmanuel, God with us, right? This is the passion of God. To not just be a God somewhere else, but to dwell, to have a residence with us. Where he becomes more and more known the longer he's there. But he has preferences that determine who he will occupy a space with. Just like we do. Amen? And he will not allow certain things into his place. Okay. So 1 Corinthians 3.16. Don't you realize that, that together you have become God's inner Sanctuary. There's a place he, he occupies that is personal with us. But you don't get personal without becoming part of a bigger. You become a living stone. Not just, you're not the living stone. You're a living stone in a bigger structure. That he wants to occupy together. That requires you being a part of a bigger structure. Right? And so, don't you realize that, that together you have become God's inner sanctuary. And that the spirit of God makes his permanent home in you. Now, if someone desecrates God's inner sanctuary, God will desecrate him. For God's inner sanctuary is holy. And that is exactly who you are. Huh. So there is a preference for who will occupy and what they're doing in this place. Right? I thought about it like this. Because you know, 
there's been a lot of there's been a lot of uh, tendency to feel like the solution is to just provide a residence for people that don't have one. And it might be for some, but there's a large tendency that if somebody doesn't have an honor for residence, that you can give them the nicest home in the city and they will turn it into a trash heap. And I believe that this is something that we, we can take to heart. As, uh, I'm not, I know you're, you're the choir, but think about somebody else maybe. In, <laughs> right? No, this is for me. God has created a precious place in his presence for me to occupy. And he does not like it when we don't honor that place. <laughs> if someone desecrates, well, that's going to have to do with what he decides what is desecrating. Not what I decide. Right? Can you see how necessary it is to get a God's side of residence here and not just assume everything's okay because God's good and his mercies endure forever? You know why they were hollering that out? Because they were afraid, <laughs> right? And they were ready to, to transform their life into to deference to God, right? So why... I like this. So why fool yourself and live under an illusion? See, this is what I'm talking about. We can fool ourselves and not realize that this God that we're talking about has a side to him that cares about where we're living continually. Make no mistake about it. If anyone thinks he is wise by the world's standards, he will be made wiser by being a fool for God. That means you can be a fool according to, to, to the world's standards and be much wiser than anybody in the world. Right? I mean, you can be a fool for God and still be much wiser than anybody in the world. For what the world says is wisdom is actually foolishness in God's eyes. As it is written... The cleverness of the know-it-alls becomes the trap that ensnares them. It becomes very perilous to look to any, any of the news outlets for our wisdom or for, for what we should be going towards. And it becomes foolishness for us to not Say, okay, I'm letting go of my perspective on this completely. I'm going to receive what God has to say about it. Let's go to John 15. <clears throat> so Jesus presents something that is somewhat new. And it's a perspective of God's side of residence that is not just singular. It's dual. Okay? Let's look at what Jesus said about this in John 15, 4. Y'all good today? He said, abide in me and I in you. Oh, so the abiding isn't just in him. He wants to abide in me too. And I, I got to thinking about this. This is really interesting because it's not just about pleasing God. God wants to please us. He said, 
And, 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 and who has the deed to us? I have the deed. You have the deed. You decide who's going to occupy your space. Right? And this is why God is not occupying people's space. Because they don't want him to. Because you know what about God? He's holy. When he shows up in, in a place, people don't want to do stuff that they used to do. In fact, if you want to do something, you, you like to turn the lights off because your deeds are evil. If your deeds are evil, you don't want God in your space. Right? I saw this. He said, abide in me. You know, everybody can say, well, I, I like to go to church. I, I put in my put in my dues in church. God says, what about me abiding in you? This is a God side of residence that, wow, let this be real to me. And I know I'm talking to the choir here, but man, this is for me, right? Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. So there's this necessity of us saying there's a place that I'm going to have to go where the preferences of the owner of this place, I have to meet them in order to be there. Okay? If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me, and listen to this, this isn't just a singular occupancy. And my words abide in you. How does he abide in us? He abides in us by his will. In the beginning was the word. Everything about God that we will encounter has to do with his word. And when we allow that to, to not just be there, and we'll see this, it has to change what we decide to do. The word in its, in its reception will have no effect until it produces obedience. And what, that, what is that? That's compliance with the preferences of the owner. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. He said, if there's going to be residents of you in me, that, that you will, you'll be cast aside, you'll dry up and not have any production in your life at all without it. Your connection to me is going to be through my word, but not just through my word. It's going to have to change what you like to do. It's like in our house, my wife is still training me up in the way I should go. I can't just cast aside wrappers and especially my socks. You know how it is. You come in and you're kind of worn out, you know, and it's like, Man, I got to get these socks off. And you don't want to get out of the chair. You just kind of push them off the end of your foot. And you doze off and you don't realize it when you get up to go that they're still laying there, right? Where they, you know what? This does not, this is not acceptable to the one I've come to live with. And all the ladies said, amen. amen. Yes. <laughs> and if I want to live with her in peace, what's going to have to change? Her word is going to have to reside in me. And boy, does it ever. <laughs> but I'm not, I'm, I can't have that kind of attitude. No. I'm going to have to say, yes. 
Those words that she said, they reside in me in such a way that they produce sock picker upper out of me. That's actually a pretty good example, right? That's not bad. It's wonderful. Who wants socks laying all? I don't even want socks laying all around. <laughs> but until I, I got my wife, that's what I would be, a sock lever everywhere. <laughs> right? Don't you think God has some preferences on some things? He doesn't like things just laying around. He doesn't like just attitudes. He doesn't like strife. There's some things that he says, if you're going to, if you're going to abide in me, if you're going to not just become a branch that's cut off and, and cast aside, you're going to have to let my preferences about socks change the way you treat them. Amen? This is very real. Holiness isn't about you feeling bad about something enough to where you just get rid of it because you feel guilty for it. That's not it. No, there's a... There's a and, and, an occupation that we get to have. We get to occupy this place in the presence of a most holy God. Jesus came to provide this for us. And either we take it seriously enough that when he says something, we allow it to not just be an offense to us, but to transform who we are. And our actions become compliant with the one who says, you know what, I don't just let anybody live in me. Right? And I'm so grateful we have help with this because we can't do this on our own, can we? We can't, we can't fulfill this on our own, but praise God. Okay, we're not done. <laughs> so we go to Hebrews 10. And this is where God, this is what Jesus came to do for us. To make it so that we can abide in him. But it's not a small thing. We, we can't just brush it aside and say, God's going to forgive me anyway, so I can just be however I want. No, you're not living in him when you have that kind of attitude. You're only living in him when his words make a change in you that changes who you are. Aren't you glad for that? We get to look into the word of God and see a mirror that lets us know whether we're pleasing him or not. <laughs> right? Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brethren, have boldness. To enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrates for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, over the house of God, over the house of God, what do we do? Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Where do we get faith? By the word of God. And by the actions that it produces in us. Right? Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. And our bodies washed with pure water. This work of the blood of Jesus in our hearts. Has a great purpose. In preparing us. For occupying our place in him. Amen? But it has to be applied by faith. He wants to deliver us from, from filthiness. <laughs> My wife says, I want you to wear cologne every day. Every day. And if I want to get close to her, 
you know what I'm going to need to do? Wear cologne. Why? Because she wants a certain smell when we get close. I like the smell of outdoors. And I like the smell of Tebow, my dog. <laughs> but if I want to get close to her, amen? I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to take a shower. Especially if I want to get really close, you know? It's like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> the more... <laughs> The more intimate I want to be, the more I'm going to have to be prepared for it. And in the blood of Jesus, his preparation of us that we cannot acquire, that could never have been done before him. And we, but now, because of that, we can draw near to him, to this holy one who does not like any out of sorts smells or socks laying about. And he equips us to occupy. For it to not just be something that we're claiming by some confession, but we're living by the residence of the word in us. It's changing who we are. God has a side of residence. He wants to live together. He doesn't want to just have a have a getaway together. He wants to He wants to live. Amen. Okay. You still okay? Something else that I've found in our house that if I want to live in our house, I can't, it's not going to be just me and my wife. It's going to be our offspring. It's going to be others that are in our family. It might even be her second cousin for a little while. Why? Because I didn't just hook up with her. The closer I get to him, the more I'm going to closer to his because his residence isn't just a single room shanty for me it's a multi-family abode right and the closer I get to him actually my key to being connected to him is not is to be connected to those because right now I don't know about you is anybody has anybody had like a vision of Jesus or God lately I mean, wonderful. I'm glad you have it. You probably didn't have it like 10 minutes ago, right? Or, or <laughs> Has anybody had something like that? I, I haven't. Here's, here's the amazing thing about our God is he's not really visible to us, is he? Huh? <laughs> and amazingly enough, he wants to reveal himself to us through each other. Even as we're sitting here right now, there's, he, he sees Jesus in us by the blood that we just talked about. But he wants us to see him in each other, to find him in each other. Amen? All right, what do we, did somebody get put up there? All right. <laughs> um, so, First John, First John, John has a real revelation of this. Uh, of this necessity of if you're gonna li- if if you're gonna live in Him, if His words are gonna live in you, what it's going to be is this wonderful thing of love, and not the world's. Don't you like that passage we read that that these nonsensers in the world you, you can't follow that stuff. No, there's a God side of what's uh, of what's acceptable. 
And you can't just come up with your own identity. You can't come up with your own way of, uh, it's amazing how the world wants to, to act like that. just whatever they come up with is okay. And it's not. There's a God side to this. And you might make it through a large portion of your life, but you're not going to, eternity is much longer than this life. It's much more important to, to spend a few moments at, in the courts of the Lord, right? Then it's a thousand elsewhere. Is that, is that how that song goes? All right. So 1 John 4 in uh, verse 12, the reality of his presence will be found in each other. So, so much of the, of the time, it's like, like, like I was saying, we want to have our own personal, it's just me and the, and the man upstairs, you know? It's like, man, he's not upstairs in my house. <laughs> he's got his foot under my, the same table I've got my feet under. We're, we're communing together, right? right. <laughs> so, first John says, no, no one has ever gazed upon the fullness of God's splendor, but. If we love one another, God makes his permanent home in us. Wow. So what we're doing right here in, 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 a, in a church body, in, in a portion of God's bigger body, this, these wonderful people that we get to have a relationship with, to commit to, it's not a small, God doesn't see this as a small thing. He says, this church that I've called into, these people that sometimes you might be annoyed by, you know? <laughs> he says, man, try, try being me for a day, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and you'll find out what long-suffering is, right? <laughs> but he says, if you're going to know my residence... If it's going to be real to you, you're going to know it through each other. Isn't that amazing? He says, if we love one another, God makes his permanent home in us. Man, it should be worth it for us to love one another. I'm loving you, but it's only because God's going to make his permanent residence. <laughs> I mean, that would be worth it alone, right? But what we get as a benefit of this is there's nothing better than loving somebody when you could have been offended by them. What it does for you, this is our identity with Christ. This is what we get when we get close to him, is the ability to not be offended anymore. <laughs> right? And look at this. It goes back to this dual thing. He makes his permanent home in us. And we make our permanent home in him. They go together. Again, there's a necessity for us. Because we do have our space. How many like your space? How many like deciding some things for yourself? And God's saying, you know what? This love thing is going to be you deciding to qualify people based upon Christ, to come into your space, to be allowed, right? It's not just about you fulfilling some kind of uh, 
preferences of God so that you can be in him. He actually wants to come in and be in your space, right? If we love one another, God makes his permanent home in us. And we make our permanent home in him. And his love is brought to its full expression in us. And he has given us his spirit within us so that we can have the assurance that he lives in us and that we live in him. It's always this dual thing, right? The spirit helps us with this. Okay, let's just go to 1 John 1. And again... I want us to be challenged in this. I want, I want us to be encouraged in this. That, that when, when we decide for him by his word to occupy us, we have to receive the fullness of who he is. It's going to be something that otherwise might offend us. If there's something in our life that needs adjustment to receive him, it's going to be adjusted. Amen? He is, he's light. When he goes into a place, all the little things hiding in the shadows get exposed. If we want him to abide in us, there's going to have to be acceptance of his ability to expose and remove things that are unacceptable, right? Not a bad thing. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Do you want this kind of person coming to stay at your house very long? Do you realize that there might be some things that you just don't get to do anymore? You might not get to binge on something that you like to binge on. or You know what I mean? And, and, and it's, we're not trying to be prudish. But do we want God's side of residence here? What does God want? Does he want to just occupy our castaway time? What's left over? Or does he want to actually live in us? Because when he comes in, it's bright. And you're not going to feel comfortable with some things. And you're going to have to decide whether you want this guy that's perfect and holy actually living in you. (laughs) Right? If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have what? Fellowship with him. Not with one another. It always comes back to each other. Our knowing of him is going to be found in each other. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Don't you like that? You know, a lot of times people are having difficulty with sin. And it's just a residence problem. They just need to get on God's side of residence. Amen? Because what he does is he comes in, he he, he presents light to it, and that light is found in the presence of each other. You know, you can't be harboring some darkness and actually be walking with people in the light at the same time. It gets removed. All right. God's side is obedience to his word residing in him. Okay. First John 2, 5. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. 
All right.